1: on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zernio. Carol, good to see you.
2: Well, nice nice to see you and talk with well, you, thank of course.
1: You. Well, we can see each other on Zoom while you, the listener, don't have that advantage, or you may consider it a real advantage. Advan- it could be a, an advantage. I've got a great face for radio, so this works out well. We've got an interesting topic coming up with uh, uh, Tam Cummings, and one of the issues involved of course, is the question of if you have a loved one and if you're a caregiver or a family member who has dementia, uh, where are they on that journey? How do you deal with them at different stages? And does it matter? So why don't we introduce Tam Cummings? Uh, She is the uh, provides Private Consultation and Education Services to Families, has an extensive education in uh, nursing and social work and administrative activities and Dr. Uh, Cummings has worked in dementia communities for more than two decades, giving her firsthand experience with persons with dementia, their struggles and behaviors, and the frustration families and professionals experience daily. And Tam, it's great to see you. Thanks for coming on.
3: Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Carol. It's good to see everybody as the world begins to open back up, hopefully.
1: And I want to thank you for all your contributions to the Caregiver Teleconnection Program, uh, which is a great way for folks to connect and and get an answer and a solution to problems using basic technology called the telephone, which still seems to connect people. So uh, Pam, tell me, because I I went through this with my mother. My dad, uh, long deceased, had dementia. uh, And it, it was a journey that my mother really wasn't prepared for and didn't wanna get help. Like a whole lot of caregivers, she said, look, I'm gonna do this. And it was very tough for her as my dad spiraled down in terms of behaviors. Would it have helped her to know what to expect?
3: Oh, I I believe so, Ron. Um, I think that the more we can educate the caregiver, either professional or family caregiver about the disease process and what it is doing to their loved one's brain function, and how that lack of brain function then turns into the behaviors that that you and I witness that can be quite challenging in some folks, um, it makes us better caregivers because it takes away this belief that this behavior is purposeful. And understanding that the behavior is actually directly linked to brain damage and the amount of brain damage indicates the stage or the progression of the disease, helps the family understand these behaviors are so normal we track dementia by these uh, behaviors and the decline of the person's abilities. And in in doing so, it also allows us to prepare the family for what will most likely occur next in their loved ones. So it gives you a chance to emotionally, and physically, and even in some cases, prepare the home for care.
2: Well, Tam, before the show, you were sharing with us a story about um, family members and how they may miss the notion that there's something wrong with the brain.
3: Yeah, I think, Carol, you know, you and Ron do this all the time. Y'all see this everywhere. The family member literally doesn't understand dementia means incapacitation of the mental faculties. And if you break that down further, it means the brain is dying due to a set of diseases. But unlike other illnesses, people with dementia don't look physically sick on the outside until they've lost about a pound of brain tissue. Now you only have three pounds of brain, so you have to lose a third of it before the person looks physically wasted on the outside of their body. The face um, begins to take on what you and I would consider the look of dementia, that lost look, that vacancy, that flat affect or lack of emotion on the face. And so, um, I think there's just a whole lot of people out there that are unaware this disease destroys the brain, but your person will not look sick until the very end of the disease. And because of how memory is laid down in the brain, your person's going to have significant brain damage, but still be able to have the social conversation, which you and Ron and I had when we connected earlier before the show started. We all said, Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. How are you? We said, how is the weather? The weather's fine. How's your family? My family's fine. How's work? Work is fine. I mean, the answers are fine. And you and I begin to learn that conversation almost as soon as we were born.
1: Let me remind folks who have just joined us. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron, along Please. with Carol Zernial.
3: That right now I'm talking to you and you're talking to me and we're having an actual interaction. And so families don't understand that. They confuse that behavior with nothing's wrong with my person, because if there really was something wrong, they'd actually look sick.
1: Okay. Well, how do you so, explain it to them then?
3: Uh, that, that way right there. Your loved one will not look physically sick until stage six of the disease, when about a pound of brain tissue is at that point estimated to be lost. But in stage five, when there's a half a pound of brain tissue loss, your person's going to behave this way, this way, this way, and won't look sick. And then you ask the family member, have you noticed vacancy in the eyes? Have you noticed that you looked at your person and there was nothing there, but then they came back to themselves? And now have you noticed that as time has passed, those moments of vacancy have become longer and longer until by stage six, those moments of vacancy are almost constant.
2: Yeah, you know, Tam, you reminded me, and and Tam actually came out to my house and met my mother uh, when she had dementia many years ago. Uh, And in the early stages, I can remember one day, my mother called us all together, my sister, my father, and me, and she sat us down. She says, I have to tell you something. And, and we knew she had Alzheimer's. We didn't know, have any idea what she was going to say. She said, a few minutes ago, there was nothing. She said, my brain was completely blank. And I want to tell you that I think this is going to happen again. And it's going to happen more often and she was very, she was a nurse, so she's kind of in a clinical mode, but Mm -hmm. that really struck me that she was aware that she had a moment of vacancy. Mm -hmm.
3: And followed by a moment of clarity and cognition. It's interesting when I'm talking to a person with dementia and trying to narrow down what we're dealing with, I will uh, frequently ask, do you When I ask the question, can you tell that you should have the material up here in your head? You should know the answer to this question, but the material is gone. Or can you see the material? You can feel the material, but you can't make it come out your mouth. And Lewy body Parkinson's and frontal temporal dementias will tell you they can feel the material, but they can't speak it. Um, Alzheimer's people will tell you they know the material should be there and now they can't find it. So, it's a very distinctive way that different forms of dementia make the person feel as they try to use a brain function, which is something you and I are doing right now without thinking about it. The brain runs the body. And as the brain becomes more and more damaged, the body becomes uh, more and more affected by that. Falls are a direct result of dementia. That's not because somebody's not trying to walk. I mean, you think about the things we accuse people with dementia of doing, and it makes you wonder which one of us actually needs a little more help. People with dementia fall down because of brain damage. The basal ganglia are damaged in Lewy body and Parkinson's. That's why they fall so differently than other people. They get very stiff and fall like a board. Um, In other forms of dementia, the hippocampus is being destroyed. The limbic system is being destroyed. The premotor cortex, the motor cortex, those things must function for you and I to stand, stay in balance and move. Everything a person with dementia does is directly related back to the area of the brain that's now damaged by the disease or the area of the brain that no longer exists. So helping families to understand that we actually use those behaviors to help you understand how damaged your loved one's brain is, what stage of the disease we would consider this to be, how much more time your loved one has, we estimate for this stage of the disease, and to help you see what's, what's coming next. Because until you've been there, Carol, like you've been, it's hard to see all of the the damage and decline that families witness, but don't have
2: a name for. So what I hear you saying is that the they're not doing anything on purpose, because you and I have heard that before. Mom's just doing that on purpose, or my wife's just doing that on purpose. Yeah,
3: you've heard it called show timers, not old timers, but show timers. When they get in front of the doctor, they show off. No, they don't. The doctor said, hi, how are you? And your mom said, oh, I'm fine. How are you? Didn't mean anything, just old automatic memory. So it causes a great deal of conflict for the family and a lot of pain later when they realize I was so angry at them and they were just responding to what their brain was doing. And, and we get it with other diseases, right? If I told you we're going to make the people with COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder, the people who have lung disease who cannot breathe well, we're going to make them run races and be mad at them when they can't. It it doesn't make sense how we treat people with dementia once you realize their brain is damaged. It doesn't matter what they they hear. The MRI shows it. The CAT scan shows it. The behaviors show it.
1: Can we rewind for just a moment and go back to when the first signs of dementia uh, may appear and what a caregiver or a family member might see and might look for. How do you know a problem is beginning?
3: How do you know a problem is starting with your loved one? Um, Yes. You know, you've seen it in your family. Carol has seen it in her family. I see it in my work. It's subtle, right? It's not like dad just came down to breakfast and didn't know what bacon was. It's very, very subtle. And typically in a married couple, the spouse notices it very early in the disease even as subtle as it is, you're talking about microscopic damage at this point, but the spouse notices something is wrong. Uh, hesitation in words, uh, hiccuping in words you should know well, f- names you should know well. Not, not my name or your name, but the names of your family. Um, and yeah, My
1: mom enabled my dad uh, in, in almost any social setting where she would supply the name because she knew he didn't know.
3: But that's not really enabling. That was your mom helping her spouse, who she right. took vow about, helping him in a difficult social situation. And it's just that where it's challenging, I think, for families, and Carol, you I know you saw this in school, is that family dynamic is it was their marriage, and even though you're their son, it's none of your business. And so, like a lot of children, they get caught completely off guard because all of a sudden They had noticed at Thanksgiving, dad didn't seem quite right, but now all of a sudden dad seems really sick and mom still won't talk about it because in their culture, in their time, this is their marriage, it's none of your business, you're just a kid. And that that dynamic really affects adult children trying to step in and help, causes a lot more conflict because by the time the adult child notices something's wrong, that is typically stage four of the disease. And the spouse has already lived through stage two and stage three. And because it's such a slow, subtle thing that's happening to your loved one, I'll bet you your mom for a long time didn't realize she was feeding him the answers. When I test people, what I see is um, tell me what day of the week it is. And if they're in stage four of the disease, they'll look in their kitchen to where the calendar's hanging because they don't think I see them obviously turn and look for the calendar. If they're in stage five of the disease, they will look to the spouse or to the adult child and the adult child and spouse will typically feed the word to them because it hurts you emotionally to see right. your loved one struggling for something that should be right there. They should know what day it is, they should know what year it is. And so family members, it's it's not that they're enabling, it's that you slowly begin to do their IADLs and then you begin to do their ADLs. And those are two more staging tools. The IADLs All are right. the instrumental activities of daily living, and that's shopping, driving Hold a up car. Thought.
1: We're going to come right back to you. You're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host Carol Zernial. A fascinating conversation with Dr. Tam Cummins. Stick with us right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not-normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Hello. Thank you so much for being with us here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zernial. We're talking on our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline with Dr. Tam Cummings. Uh, Dr. Cummings is with us to talk about the stages of dementia, uh, how to help, uh, if you're the caregiver, how to help the care recipient, and how you can be more effective. Carol?
2: Yeah, before the break, when we were talking about uh, family members helping, you know, what we see sometimes is when suddenly the family member dies, the spouse dies, and the kids haven't been around mom or dad recently. uh, And they think that mom has gotten so much worse without recognizing that they've been queuing off their partner all of this time. You know, they're in their own home, they've got a routine. And the minute they get they lose that partner or they go to a new place, they're going to seem 20,000 times worse because they've been queuing off that person, they've been knowing what to do because that person's been helping them.
3: It, it that's wow. very true. Um, I got a call one time to come see a family that the mother had fallen and had seven days to live, and it just blew my mind. And sure enough, she had fallen, and as a result of the fall, had gone to the ER where they had discovered she actually had a brain tumor and she had seven. Days to live. And she called her children together because her husband's dementia was much more advanced than the children realized. And this was a very involved family. But the father was a very engaging man. He was a nationally known figure. He loved everybody, but just you never met a stranger, we would say. He had never met a stranger. People remembered him, had a great sense of humor. And one thing that people with dementia do that the families don't recognize is when they get lost in conversation. They don't raise their hand and say, "Excuse me, you lost me. What are we talking about?" They make a polite chuckle, a ha ha ha, and he had a very great chuckle. He had a wonderful (laughs) ha 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 chuckle. And um, as I got to the house that morning uh, to meet with the family and discuss what the the plans were going to be, as I sat with him, I realized that not a single one of the adult children realized that their father not only had dementia, but that his dementia was very advanced, and that the mother had had not been enabling him or or doing anything that wasn't correct. She had just, it was their marriage. It wasn't her kid's business because she saw it as he wasn't bad enough yet. And now she realized with her own death looming that she had to bring them on board quickly. And so one of the things we had to discuss is, will we tell him she's died? How will we deal with the funeral? What will we do with him? And what the children were, I think, most shocked about was that within a week of the mother's death, they had to find placement for their father. And so they went emotionally from dad slipping a little bit, but he's okay to oh my goodness, he's actually in late stage five of dementia. But he had such a personality that it fooled people, and that's a common a common thing that we see, and that causes a lot of angst for families. So when we talk about staging, just to get us back on our, our track here, so before I forget. Uh, We have two different measurements. One is a three-stage tool. One is a seven-stage tool. The seven-stage tool is a greater breakdown of the three stages. And the seven-stage tool I like because it has more behaviors listed in it that are more likely to be things that families or professional caregivers would recognize. And by simply checking off the behaviors of your loved one, you're able to see how declined they are in the disease process. And just doing that can shock people to realize their loved one's actually that declined, Um, to have a moment of reckoning that if they're actually midway through stage five, that's the emotional equivalency, uh, the mental equivalency of an eight-year-old. Would you actually leave an eight-year-old at home alone with car keys and a gas stove? And the answer is no, we wouldn't do that. So staging tools really help families track the disease process I think it gives you a better opportunity to deal with your emotions because you're able to go back to your tool and and be confronted with this isn't purposeful behavior. This is brain damage.
1: What would be some of the examples that uh, you'd be checking off at the various stages? What would you see?
3: Well, Almost every family we talk to who's honest will tell us that, yes, I've been accused of stealing. I've been accused of stealing my mother's car, her car keys, her wallet, her purse, her bank account, her home, her everything, her jewelry. And that is actually a stage five behavior. And what it indicates is there is now significant damage to the hippocampus and limbic system because the mother is no longer able to make new memory of where did I put my keys, where did I put my wallet, where did I put my purse. And so being accused of stealing, either as a caregiver or as the family member, tells us we are most likely dealing with somebody in stage five of the disease. A person who no longer is able to lift their feet, who is shuffling who is rapidly losing language, who is also beginning to lose weight and having repeated falls, those behaviors tell me this is now a stage six person. This is a person who's now lost a pound of brain tissue. So by just observing behaviors, by observing movements and um, by watching body temperature even as the parietal lobe becomes damaged, um, the person's body temperature begins to drop in people with dementia. So by knowing these things, You now know what areas of the brain are damaged, you know how advanced your person is, and you know what their mental equivalency is.
2: Well, talk about a little bit about, you You got this information, what are, what kinds of things might you do once you realize that your loved one, you know, is on this path and and is, and is going to be declining? What are the kinds of things that you work with families to tell them, think about this, get this in order?
3: Well, I think one of the things that that I know you guys are concerned about, I know I'm concerned about, I know WellMed Foundation, we're all very concerned about, is before COVID, the death rate of the family dementia caregiver is that two out of 10 family caregivers actually died before the person with dementia. And dementia is a terminal illness. And the concern in research is that numbers right now indicate that because of the lockdown and covid the death rate for family caregivers has risen to 3 out of 10, and that's that gets people's attention. We want people, to, family members, to understand that if you have kept your person, your person is qualified for care about midway through stage 4. They are considered qualified for a locked memory care. By stage 5, you're now doing the caregiving work of about 6 staff members who are alert and awake, uh, 24 hours a day, and who come in fresh every eight hours just to do that work. They're not trying to also clean a house, also go to work, also take care of kids, also do a job. This is their job. Um, by the time the person reaches uh, halfway through stage five, the family caregiver is now doing the care of what would take easily six to seven people to do, and that includes a full-time activity director. By stage six, the family caregiver is now doing the work of about 10 people, and it is exhausting. And in stage six, the person begins the 36 hour day. I have seen people with dementia stay awake from 36 to 72 hours in motion and moving and not be able to get them to sit down. And that, you know, human beings, we got to go to sleep every 14 hours or so, or we can't function. So the family caregiver literally gets worn out. And Carol, you know, in family dynamics, We all start focusing on the family member who's obviously ill. Mama has dementia. We're all keeping an eye on her. And nobody looks over at dad who's literally killing himself. And so for family members, one of the messages that I hope they hear is this is a disease that requires 24-hour medical care. And I know that we raised our hands and said, I will never put you someplace. But when you made that promise, you didn't realize this disease even existed. You didn't realize the amount of care this disease requires and that we know your person actually gets better care in a community because they've got doctors and nurses there, people trained to look at new medical conditions happening to your loved one that you're just not prepared to do. So when you recognize the stages and you recognize the amount of care you're doing, I have a hard time believing, Carol and Ron, that any person with dementia out there would wish their spouse to kill themselves trying to do care for them. When it requires an entire team of trained professionals to do that level of care.
2: Well, I love that you've kind of quantified the amount of work because we we all know yeah. um, how exhausted everyone is, and I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say you're doing the equivalent of eight professionals, you know, you, you, in, you, in, in yeah. a facility.
3: A stage six person requires two people to do care, and if your person's already immobile, you get to add a third person. So the reason a family caregiver is exhausted is they're simply physically and emotionally drained. It is terribly stressful mentally and emotionally to watch someone you love go away a little bit at a time.
1: So you add that And yet when, care. When we tried to get help from my mother, because she was the sole caregiver uh, for my dad, uh, she would turn it away. I took seriously, she would say, in sickness and in health. I pledged and promised mm-hmm. your dad I would do this. And I'm sure you've heard that over and over again. We sent social workers to the house. We sent all kinds of help. She said to them, I appreciate it. Go care for people who need it. And yet she needed it.
3: I think it goes back to what we talked about in the beginning. Families not understanding. This is a disease that requires medical care. It's no different than if he had
1: cancer. For sure we are about out of time. Is is there one last tidbit you'd like to pass on?
2: Well, yeah. And, and if people want to get your, um, a copy of that scale that you've been talking about, where would they get that?
1: Uh, well-med
3: charitable caregiver SOS. You guys have, uh, all the, all the good stuff is, is there. And we actually have staging tools for dementias, uh, like Alzheimer's, uh, vascular Lewy body, but the, the, Frontal temporal dementias have a separate staging tool because their disease is so unique. Um, so there are two different staging tools that you would actually be sent um, from you guys.
2: Yeah. And you can email us at radio at wellmed.net. That's radio at wellmed.net.
1: Or caregiversos.org. Dan Cummins, thank you. It was just incredible to listen to you. I really appreciate your time and your expertise. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Carol.
3: Thank Thanks, you, Sam.
1: So you take care. Good to Take care. Bye-bye. You. Bye-bye. For Carol Zernial, I'm Ron Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us on Caregiver SOS On Air.